Welcome to the New England Football Show. I'm John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by my partner, Kevin Stone. And tonight, we have a very special guest. We are fortunate to have with us Holy Cross head football coach, Bob Chesney. Coach Chesney, how are you this evening? I'm great. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I love what you guys do, Kev. Your support throughout the season, being around uh, with all the starts and stops of, of games and things that we were doing, you know, um, you know, anytime we get a chance to talk about Holy Cross football, I think it's pretty important that we we do that. Yeah, and, and we agree. You know, for us, it's, um, you know, we're fortunate that we live in an area where you have so many Division One programs. And for us, and being a New England football uh, website, it's important for us to try to uh, make sure that we we cover all of the programs equally and that, that you know, we, we represent not only New England football the right way, but also make sure that we do right by the program. So we certainly appreciate your time. You've been very good to us. So let's just jump right into it. Yeah, Obviously sure. coming off a unique spring season, uh, unprecedented spring season. Just your overall thoughts on this spring season. Obviously it was a successful one for you guys, but what were your overall thoughts on the season itself and how it ultimately played out? So when we look back, because we've done that now as a staff, I've met with just about every position group and every player on our team, and we had a chance to talk quite a bit about what they felt the, the season was like. And, you know, one thing I think as I watched it from a distance, um, you know, not in the dorms with these guys, not part of their day-to-day -day lives, the things that really stand out to me are just their resolve. I think, I think about like my own kids and just children in general, just how you know, it could really kind of get through anything. And I did not think that would be possible for a college football team. We talked a lot about Boston College. We talked a lot about uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Those were two teams that didn't have any COVID cases. And we, you know, we said it in the fall, you know, can we try to be like this? Can we do it? Can we really stay disciplined? Can we stay on task? Can you guys just, you know, just give up so much and sacrifice so much for the, for, to keep this, you know, this program and this, um, season intact. And we talked about that. We used the word intact quite a bit. We said the team that's going to hold up a trophy at the end is the one that's going to be the most intact, whether it be injuries or COVID or whatever it might be. And they did it and they did it. We had, we had really one room where there was one case that spread to, to the other roommates, but that was it, you know, in the fall and all of the spring, you have one, you know, room of guys really four in the end that tested positive. Um, you know, it was remarkable. I just can't, I don't know that honestly I could have done it. I don't know that any of you could have done it. And I just think to watch these guys give up and sacrifice for this program. And then at the end, be able to pick up that trophy. I think that was a thing. People will say it was only three games. You know, how can you be so it was three of the, not, not even toughest football games, but the whole structure of it all was yeah. way more challenging than the 12 game season we played a year ago. And I think that is the truth. I, every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, I would get the calls from our athletic trainers and our sports med. All the tests came in. There's two un inconclusive. We'll retest them in the morning. And you just are always holding your breath. And I think the only outlet you had was getting on that football field, right? Us together on that football field. We still wore masks on the football field. We still tried to social distance as much as possible. But to me, when you, when you ask about what did this represent, it sort of represented – you know, our core values, which we talk a lot about, our attention to detail, a positive attitude, because we're going to be going through a ton of stuff, but then urgency to attack every single day with really everything you got. And they were able to do that. And at the same time, the discipline and their resolve just is really what stood out to me. 
So I thought it was a, a successful season. And again, I, I know it's three and one or whatever we end the year with. And, you know, but at the same time, someone was putting a trophy in the trophy case. And uh, I think, you know, our guys, you know, were, were really sure they wanted it to be them. And they were really, you know, willing to sacrifice a whole bunch to make sure it was them. Now, Coach, obviously you've had, you know, quite a bit of success at various stops that you've made, uh, whether it's Salve, whether it's, um, you know, Assumption and now Holy Cross. What do you kind of attribute each of those turnarounds to? Because that's not easy to do, you know, pick up. And we were talking about uh, Newport, Rhode Island before we came on, you know, moving a family and um, and doing it that many times and being successful, successful, sorry, each time. Um, how hard is that? And um, how have you done it, really? So it's, you know, it's challenging, but I think everything's challenging. I think taking over for someone that's winning a whole bunch is probably has its challenges. Any, any situation where you're going to come into a new environment, um, you know, is challenging. But I would say the number one thing to me is to be able to listen, right? Because listen, these 90 guys were on this team, right? There's one guy coming in that wasn't, right? So that whole thing is uh, I think people say, how do you did, how'd you do it at Salve? And then did you just do the same thing at Assumption, the same thing at Holy Cross? And the answer is not even close. Like they're all so very different. And I think if you don't start by listening, I think that's where you could kind of run into a little bit of an issue, right? Because you start by saying, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Well, what if that doesn't work at that place, right? So, there are, so there's got to be some give and take, right? And there are certain things that you certainly are non-negotiable, right? There's things that you believe in. You know it has to look that way. You know you need to get it there, but that may not be a thing that you could ask of them in the first couple of weeks or the first couple of months, right? So those the, the, the thing to me is start by listening because if you do actually listen to them and then do something that someone there, you know, ask you to do, now you automatically start to build this little bit of this element of trust, right? And it doesn't go to blind faith it's actual trust. It's real trust. You they, you ask them something, they gave you an answer, and you followed through. Those are the things to me that I think really enable it to move a little bit quicker, right? I think that every coach has their idea and their agenda, but then I also think hiring the right people and bringing the right people with you. I, I like things a certain way, right? And I think that for me, I want to be able to listen. I want to be able to challenge. I want to be extremely demanding of our players. I just never want to be demeaning. Right. And I know that's a real fine line that you walk a lot of times. And I think uh, I don't want to tell these kids every single thing they do and make them avoid every mistake. Mistakes are really how we grow. Right. So it's an old Lou Holtz thing. But we'll talk about there is freedom of choice. You could go out and do whatever you want, whenever you want. But there is never, ever freedom of consequences. So if the choices are good, the reward or consequences are good. If the choices are bad, unfortunately, the consequences are bad. And those are the things to me that I want guys to make their own decisions. I want guys to do things for the right reasons. And then when they stumble a little bit, be there to pick them up. But that's me saying that. I also need the rest of the staff around me to believe that same thing. And if they don't, the issue you run into is sometimes you see it one way, they see it a very different way. And in situations where you're not present, it could you could watch this thing start to dive a little bit. So really having the alignment piece, right, of everybody being aligned, the players really believing and trusting in you as a coach, you trusting in each other as assistant coaches and, and head coach, and then players trusting in each other. But then we all believe we're in this thing together and we just move it along down the road. And then my job is just keep nudging, you know, back into place, you know, those guys that, uh, that need to be nudged back into place. And then, you know, we really try to move on. There's very, try to not, not other than 
positive things, we really don't take anything personal. If there's something bad that happened, we, we have a couple ways that we deal with that, but we move on and we just say, you always have to get rid of it quickly. You have to fix it quickly because if you don't, it will live forever, right? You don't brush something bad under a rug and hope it doesn't show up again. It's probably going to start to grow under that, right? So the ability to really, you know, all of us together understand, call it out as soon as you see it, celebrate it when it's good, fix it when it's bad, and then just move on, right? Just keep moving on. That's that's really it. So no exact recipe, no none none are the same, you know, from one from one to the other, but at the same time, the ability to listen and surround yourself with the right people that are on the same mission as you is really, I think, two of the things that that kind of spearhead that, you know, at the very beginning. Coach, obviously we've talked about your success at at various places, but Holy Cross job opens up. Why Holy Cross? What made Holy Cross an appealing job to you when that opportunity presented itself? So I, I'm, I'm in town, right? So that, that's a weird situation, right? And it doesn't happen very often, right? That I'm, I'm already here in Worcester. I'm, I, I'm here for, I think, five years already. Um, you know, we have our, you know, our third child, they're in school, elementary school, the whole deal. And then this thing opens up. Uh, the timing was interesting because it opened up mid-year and we were on a run, right? And, and I remember um, people saying, this is a real opportunity for you. And I said, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to say, even speak the words Holy Cross while we're in the middle of, you know, what ended up being an Elite Eight, you know, run and almost the final four on the last play of the game. Um, you know, one of those things, I just said, I can't really talk about that. And I don't want to talk about that. I want to, if, if, if I cost our team this, it's going to be an issue. But in the back of my mind, I knew that this place, you know, as I was in town for five years, a lot of very prominent alumni in town, you know, went to Holy Cross. A lot of, you know, a lot of the the, the people you see in town, you know, in, in some powerful positions also, you know, went to Holy Cross. When I learned about the alums, when I learned about the football tradition, I, I went to many practices and a few games even, you know, when we would have a Friday night game, I'd come over and watch and I just I would always walk through and go like, man, this, this is I mean, you can't say a sleeping giant because everybody knows it, right? Everybody knows what it is and, and, right. and what it once was. Uh, I just think, you know, when I looked at it, I really just felt like I had a vision for it. Same thing with being at Salve, right? And being at Assumption. You know, the, it's yes, it's a job, but you have the vision for it. And then uh, that is what I felt here when I, when I understood the academics, when I understood the alums, when I understood the schedule, when I understood the, the new building going up and then the, 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 New, the three new buildings that were going to be built in the first three years of being here. Those were things that all to me said, this is really a place where you could have it all. And that's a quote we use quite a bit. We say have it all because we really don't feel like you're relenting on anything by choosing Holy Cross. It's full scholarships. It, we were number one APR, I think, a year ago. Two years ago, I think we played the toughest schedule in FCS football. I, so we're really you know, in, in our minds, trying to get this as close as humanly possible to an FBS program by using all of our resources, believing in one another and bringing in the right guys. So um, I had that vision, you know, and I think a lot of us did. And, and you know, those that, that came with us obviously are now back to back champions and, and hopefully trying to do this again. You know, and I, I do want to point out it, it, it does impress me how much the school has committed to, you know, you mentioned being as close to an FBS program as possible. And Holy Cross has a rich history, rich tradition. And, and, and you also mentioned that as well. But it, it is impressive to me how much the school has committed to playing football at a high level. Because let's face it, you know this, Coach. It's it's not always an easy financial commitment for, for schools, even at, at the 
FCS level to where they can make that commitment financially. But Holy Cross has done that. Talk a little bit about that. How has that changed and transformed the program and allowed it to, to go to that next level? So, so for me, a, a while back, we were, you know, at, at Assumption and uh, fortunate enough to get to go out to Notre Dame and spend, spend some time with Brian Kelly. And then one of my other friends is the GM of the Chiefs. And I, I start to learn some more things about, um, you know, the technology stuff and about like what, what it is they're doing at that next level. We just never could do it, right? Never had the ability to financially support it. And I think that was one of the first things when we got here. A lot of our guys have the GPS trackers on at practice. We hydration test kids. You know, before practice, we have all the the um, the tendo units in the weight room to measure speed, so that we're training you know fast twitch muscle all the time. We're not getting big and and slow and heavy. Um, you know, we're just able to do take technology really to that next level. I think again, us being able to uh, have those offices that we're in, have that facility that we're in, have the weight room that we use. All those things are the commitment. Now, I mean, that's some of the athletic side. Look, you talk about Holy Cross on a bigger you know, pictures, a brand new rec center, a brand new dorm that are big, you know, $110 million building. And then there's another 120 some million dollar performing arts building in general education, which will have all classes in it. Um, that's all happened. That's $330 million in the past three years. There's only 3000 kids in the school. I don't think there's another school in the country committing that much per student right, as what we just have, have done and are going to continue to do. So this isn't a fly-by-night operation. This isn't a school that, you know, is just going to fall off the map. This, this, they're in this for the long haul. And I think, you know, the, the powers that be certainly understand the education, understand, you know, allowing our student athletes to go on and become great ambassadors and alums for this school, giving back and continue to pay it forward. That's really the of the whole thing, men and women for others, and, and the ability to pay it forward is something very prevalent in, in each of our uh, students and in each of our alums. Coach, a little bit earlier, you had a great line. Um, you said you don't want to be demeaning, but demanding. Um, to your coaching philosophy, you're one of the more positive coaches that either of us have heard. Um, I, I know, you know, if you play sports at any point in, in life, you've all had a coach that can get a little psycho or be the complete opposite end of that. Um, and be really motivating and, and positive. I'm curious where your philosophy kind of stems from, uh, because like I said, you are one of the more positive coaches, at least in this area. Yeah, well, so there's a lot of good, you know, great positive, and there's a million ways to skin a cat. So my, my way may not be the best way, but I think that there's there's sort of two sides to it as well, right? On the field, it's, again, going to be extremely demanding, and, and our guys are going to understand Every single day, we're going to give it our all. I will not walk on that football field and say, oh, I'm a little sick or tired today. Like, they'll never know that, and they'll never see that, and and, and they should never, right? They, that's, that is not, you know, something that they need to know. It's like going to – you heard it before, but it's like going to Disney World and Mickey Mouse is walking around having a bad day, kicking rocks, you know. And it's just you, – you can't allow that to happen. That's – you have to give it everything because if you do as a head coach – you better believe that you're going to see that from your assistant coaches and you're going to see it from your players, the negative side of it, but the same thing with the positive side of it, right? If you just continue to demand it and just continue to be there and build it up, we, we our practices are structured a little bit differently. And I think for me, what I began to realize is if you're not testing it in fire, if it's not, 
you know, me against you, Kev, you know, one-on-one -on -one situation, the whole team watching, you know, it's probably really not worth a whole lot. It's just a drill then. But when you do that and there's a winner and there's a loser, right? And there's consequences to it. It's really one of those things that I think makes that practice electric, but also you're going to learn, you know, what makes you great and what makes me great. And if I don't succeed that day, I'm going to remember it. And I'm going to be able to come back and, and fight for it the next day, right? So trying to be your best is something I think that I remember from college. You know, one of our coaches saying, and I knew it wasn't my best at that moment, but he said, was that your best? And then just that question, was that your best? You know, really got under my skin for some reason. Because I knew it wasn't my best. And at the same point, he just walked by and kind of whispered it to me and kept walking. I thought, man, what a kind of like what a jerk in my mind. But at the same time, it was, it was on me. I need to answer that question. Yes, it is my best, but you know, just going a little bit, you know, just a little bit further with it. I remember playing college football and I just remember standing out there being like, I don't know if I like this. Like I, I, I was, a, I'm the son of a high school football coach. I loved little league football. I loved high school. Football. I, I'm loving my first two years of college. When I got to be a junior and I was like, I guess you feel a little bit more ownership. And I just thought, I don't know if guys are having fun out here anymore. And I remember that being a pivotal moment in, in the way I played and then the way I eventually coached. And it became one of those things that we're out here together. We're out there for two hours. Back then it was probably three hours, those practices, but we're out there for an hour, 45, two hours. Like, let's just get after this thing, man. Let's have a ton of fun doing it, but let's learn. Let's film it all. Let's break it all down. Let's hold each other, again, extremely accountable. And then let's just compete as hard as we can. Those are the things to me that uh, I don't know. I think that's where it all kind of stemmed from was I wanted to know that I'm going out there and I'm not spending my time. I'm investing my time and I'm loving doing what I'm doing. And I think that only for as a player, then eventually bled into, you know, anytime you'd step foot on that, that uh, field camps, practice, anything. I don't care really what it is. It's gotta be your best. Right. Absolutely. Coach, we have a question here from uh, CC Golf. He says, Coach, can you talk about how recruiting has changed now that you have uh, two championships in hand? Thank you for checking in, CC Golf. Yeah, so thanks, Coach. Um, I think that, you you know, you're talking about this vision all the time, right? And you're trying to get people to believe it. You know, the last time a conference championship was won here was in 2009. You know, it's 10 years. And then before that, I think it was another 10 or 15 years before that. So 25 years, one championship. So you're coming in here and you're talking about this vision, right? And I don't know that it's certainly, it's not fully believable. You know, even though you believe it, full hand, you fully believe it, you don't know that everybody else does, right? So I think it's about overcoming the ability of, talking about what you want to do. But then when you get to the moment where you do win, then all of a sudden, I think it just attracts other winners, right? And I think that is the thing for me is that it's not, you're not saying, just trust me, trust me, trust me, we're going to win here. You're saying, look at what we just did. And I think that uh, just eliminates a lot of, lot of words, right? Because there's so many words in, in what you're trying to do. But now you just, you have two things to show for it. And it immediately... Um, speeds that conversation up then into this is, well, this is why it works and this is how you fit in. So those things are things that will either attract other people that want to win and play at a very elite level or it won't, right? And I think what we're trying to do is find those people that want to play at an extremely high level and want to compete, you know, at an extremely high level and want to challenge themselves every single day. You don't walk in this program, I don't think, and go, eh, 
probably, you know, they win a whole bunch. I think I'll just probably go there and hang out on the sideline a little bit. Like that's not who we're attracting. And I think that's maybe before, you know, if you're a 500 team or below 500, you probably are getting guys that say, eh, I guess I'll try it out. Right. But here the challenge is already laid just by having those two trophies in the trophy, two recent trophies in the trophy case. Coach, philosophically, watching your teams play through the years, it's simple to me, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think with you guys, it's about running the football, being balanced on offense, being opportunistic in the passing game, diversified running game, and then playing really good defense. And, and in many ways, that's been a tried and true recipe for success through the years in football, right? If you run the yeah. football, play good defense. Yep. You're going to give yourself a chance. Is that yeah. an accurate portrayal of your football program? Are you, are you guys a program that runs the football and hangs your hat on your defense, and that's how you win games? So I see every game is different. You know, just like I said before, every, you're going to walk into some games and go, I don't think we can stop these guys defensively, right? So it's going to be one of those things. Well, then what are we going to do on offense? We can't just, you know, run the ball all day. Here we're going to, going to have to take chances. Maybe special teams. We're going to hit a trick kick or a fake a fake punt or some reverse on a kickoff, something. You're going to do something to try to gain an extra possession, right? Try to change a little bit of momentum or keep momentum alive in, in your favor. Uh, but you understand I can't give that ball back to that other team, right? So those are things that sort of, you know, that that certainly come up. I think a long time ago, um, a great man by the name of Jim Margraff, who's no longer with us, was the head coach at Johns Hopkins University. And he said, you go from Pop Warner up until wherever, all the way to the NFL. He said, if you can run the ball, if you could stop the run, and you could win the turnover battle, those are three things that you're you're going to win a ton of games. Look at whoever wins the Super Bowl and whoever wins the Pop Warner Bowl, whatever it might be. If you can run the ball, when everybody in the stadium knows you, you're going to run the ball. When you can run the ball in that situation, when you can stop the run, and then when you can win the turnover battle, you're probably going to be a pretty good team. The fourth one you got to add in there now is is just the X play, right? The ability to you know shoot the ball down the field, a pass of twenty five plus yards that takes up already a quarter of that field already, right? Those are things to me that um, you know certainly stand out. But run the ball, stop the run, win the turnover battle, and then the X plays. Those are the ones that we're going to really pay really close attention to. Run the ball doesn't just mean though we're going to hand the ball up. Like that's not what we're going to do really at all. I, when I say run the ball, I mean when when everybody in the world knows. You are running the football. Can you still run the football there? That's more of a mindset. That's an attitude that is, you know, worked on in practice from the weight room until, you know, every, you know, fourth and one period that we run and every goal line period that we run, those have to be intact. But if you're going to put nine guys in the box, we're probably going to throw a bubble or throw some something else out there, a play action or something else down the field. So it's not, it's not, you know, perfect. But again, the easiest way to prevent turnovers and all that is obviously if you can run the ball and, and gain momentum now you can bring people in a little bit tighter and take those shots down the field so it's all going to be based on what that defense is giving us but I do think if you can start it with the run game it's a little bit um it's a little less dangerous right than if you're saying we're going to throw to run well we're going to try to run to be able to throw. coach last year in particular freshmen were huge for you guys um obviously your quarterback most notably Matt Sluka um First question is, how have you been able to get, you know, guys to to, to join um, this up-and-coming program? Um, and then I know I asked you during the season, but now that you've had some time away from it, um, or maybe not away from it, but um, a little bit more time to yourself, recruiting-wise, how hard has this last, you know, year and a half been? And 
um, and, and how much different is it going to be still, um, or is it getting back to normal now too? Well, first, I think it's getting a little bit back to normal. We're, we're still not going to have any camps uh, on our campus this year. We will have some off campus and we'll be at other camps. Um, but I think everybody's in a little bit of a different a different situation. Th this is an interesting deal, but uh, it was dead period right away, right? Starting back in March. So we signed 14 kids in this class. And I think, you know, we saw from the year before one of them. We haven't actually sat down and spoken with any of them yet, right? So that's a really, it's really messed up when you think about it, but that's just the way it works. Kids committed without even seeing our school, right? And, and kids committed to many schools without ever seeing their school. So I, there's a lot in there that that took us to a little bit of a different level of, you know, making sure that we're um, securing combine film. Hey, you you say you're 6'2", but let us actually physically see you standing up against that tape measure. Let us see a broad jump. Let us see a wingspan. Let us get some things that, are quantifiable because in the end we're going to watch film or we're not going to watch film back then we weren't even watching film of kids right so it was going to be what how do we find it how do we find it how do we identify it what are we looking for and there's an attitude you see from film but then there's also some boxes you want to check you know as far as you know just logistics and and just you know the physical attributes of someone but at the same time it's you know to me uh finding that kid that fits what we're looking for right so i think to answer the question, I think it gets back to normal. It was very challenging, right? So think about this, and, and, and I'll just try to go quick with it, but we would have four different junior days when we were in our spring season. So we'd be in the indoor. We'd have about, I'd say, 150, sometimes 200 kids show up for this, right? So call it, call it 800 kids right there. Then we'd run five camps, and of the five camps, we'd always have 150 you know, something like that. You start to, to do some math on this thing. We'd have thousands, like thousands of kids come through our program, but we do that in like nine days, right? In nine days, we'd have that guy, that many guys come through. And then we have guys come through for individual visits over the summer that couldn't make a camp or didn't make the junior day. But it would be really nine days. So if you wanted to talk to, just call it a thousand kids this past year, you were doing a thousand Zooms. Right. That is almost impossible to do. So it didn't get easier when people are like, well, it's a dead period. You know, you're not really meeting a whole lot with kids, you know, on your campus must be pretty easy. It was the exact opposite. Right? And we were doing it now. We're doing it eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. When the kid from California's parents get home, whatever it might be, those things were extremely, extremely challenging. And I just tip my hat to our coaches, them staying the course and being able to do what they were able to do. But that was one of the most challenging ever, right? Ever. So I think now it, there's a there's a return a return to uh, normalcy, which I think we're all very much anticipating. But then, how do we find those kids? We identify first what we're looking for, what positions do we need, and then what are we looking for from that position, height, weight, all that stuff. But then, what intangibles are we looking for from that position, or what are things you could feel from film? I'm a big just big on that. And just for, for me, for some reason, like if I'm sitting down watching film, I almost want to be moved to have to like stand up and watch this kid's film, right? If I'm just sitting there and I'm waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting and it just never shows up, or I'm not inspired by it. I don't think you could come here and line up against Navy and Syracuse and Harvard and Yale and, and, and Monmouth and New Hampshire and all these teams. I don't think you could out of conference, forget it. Then, then we get in conference. So, and then if you make the playoffs, the playoff, like, I don't think you can do that um, if you really don't love this this game, right? If if it does, and if you love this game, it shows up on film. So those are the things that we'll give up an inch or two. We'll give up, you know, a little bit more in a wingspan or whatever it might be 
if there's passion, right? Because passion has a funny way of trumping the rest of it. And I keep thinking about guys that we want them at 6'3 and 6'4 and all these things. But if they're up here, and this is what we're asking for, but they're actually never going to give you that, right? Because they're going to play down here somewhere. I'd rather take the kid who's down here as far as all his attributes are you know, uh, concerned and plays up here because he'll always give you that. And then he'll break through that and give you more. So there's, there's things in there that we talk a lot about and there's things that we look for, but numbers and this combine stuff, I mean, we're all caught up in it. Yes, there's, there is, there's a necessity for it. But at the same time, there's just some that are just undeniable when you look at that film. And I think those are the ones that win the championships. Coach, staying with the recruiting theme, obviously recruiting here in New England is much different now than it used to be. That this region is a, is fertile ground now for town. You're seeing a lot of Power Five programs coming into New England and recruiting states like Massachusetts. What do you and your staff have to do to ensure that Holy Cross is in the conversation when it comes to some of the talent in Massachusetts, Massachusetts and New England alike? Well, I think first you got to win, right? I think when you win, you have a chance, right? I think then when you say, when you when you present what the academic uh, portion of this looks like, when you present what the alumni portion of this looks like, then when you present the schedule you're playing, then when you present, you know, your ability to win and watching guys become all Americans as freshmen and sophomores and junior, you know, and then you you get into the playoffs. Now we haven't really done anything in the playoffs yet, though, right? So we're not there yet, right? We're not really anywhere just yet. This next one. To me, this next season is really the one that I think from from now when our kids get back in, in the beginning of June until football camp, there's there's got to be a lot of things we do and maybe a little bit in a different way. And I think those are things um, that I think we have to continue to just continue to talk about. We're just scratching the surface. I don't nobody feels like we've arrived. I think if anything, all we talk about is it's just not enough. That's the, that's the one thing we talk about. What we've done up to this point is not enough. But also the way we're doing it is clearly not enough if we're going to walk into the playoffs and end up losing by 25 or 30 or whatever that is. So just the whole thing's not enough yet. So we're not at a point where we're beginning to rest, right? That's not even close. We're at a point where we're trying to take this to that next level. And I think a kid that has the ability to maybe go and redshirt somewhere to FBS program and sit out for another year or two or get on special teams might find this a little bit more attractive. Right where look, I want to go there. I want to make an impact. I want to play. I want to play early. I want to play at a program that is winning, and I want to take this team to the next level. That's what again we're looking for. So again, we're 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 not going to be for everybody, and I think we can't change the fact that you know uh, that we're not an FBS program. There's nothing we can do about that, right? It just is what it is. But how do we get as close to that as possible? And again, I think runs into the playoffs, right? Being able to play tough or beat somewhere down the line an FBS team, being able to line up with the likes of the Harvards and Yales and, you know, those guys that are out there that, you know, that are just phenomenal football teams, being able to do those things. And then we play Monmouth again, who beat us last year, this year. Those are things that I think are going to start to tell the tale a little bit just about the growth of this program. Because up to this point, it's just simply not enough. Coach, after the, the playoff game, uh, you talked about everything you do in this offseason needed to be kind of um, pointed towards that game. And uh, you all kind of needed to remember what it felt like. Um, you kind of just touched on it, but two Patriot League titles now, um, the first ever, you know, Patriot League title game. Uh, what's it going to take for you guys to, to get over that hump and, and take that next step? 
There's a lot that we're talking about, you know, as a program. And I'm gonna leave a lot of that internal, you know, for right now. But there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things that I think um, when we talk to our players, they understand. You know, we went through every one of those exit meetings, and I don't think I looked at one single guy and him. You know, they they were like, yeah, that was great. That was a great year. There's not one kid that said that, and that to me is reassuring, right? Because you know, we all feel the exact same way. And I think that's crucially important. For the development and the growth of this product. If we if we were standing on third base looking at home and going, hey, we're here, we're great. That is the this is the hardest, right? So whatever we've done up to this point to get here is one thing, right? But this next part, times it by three. That's how much harder this next step has to be and will be, right? And I think that is the thing that each of us understand and each of us are committed to and each of us are excited to uh, battle for. Coach, you've already talked a little bit about this, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you because the next, you, you answered the question I was originally going to ask you. But um, you mentioned FBS, and I'm just throwing this out there more for my curiosity than anything else. You're seeing more and more programs make that jump up from the FCS to the FBS level. Do you ever envision Holy Cross considering that down the road? I don't, that's what, that's way above me. I, I don't know that, you know, I don't know the appetite for that. I think you're, you're talking about every team and, you know, the facility, there's a lot of stuff that comes into, to that. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, way above me, I think that we're, we're going to do our best, you know, currently where we're at, we're going to grow where we're planted and we're going to just, you know, continue to, to try to make this the greatest place in the world to play college football. And I think we're, we're on the verge. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the other thing that I think is important, and you talked about it, is, you know, you you guys have have scheduled well the last couple of years, and you've really put the program on a higher profile. How important is that? You talked about how important it is in terms of recruiting, but scheduling a Syracuse, scheduling a UConn, how important is it that you play those games for the players that are already in the program? Yeah, I think it's important. I think when I first got here and we played BC, right? And BC, um, I mean, AJ Dillon's back there at tailback. I think he carries the ball five times, uh, runs out of bounds once, ends up, you know, all the other four in the back of the end zone. It, that one was a little bit, little, probably just a little bit skewed. I didn't love that one at that moment. You know, we ended up losing, I think, three or four guys in the first quarter. Uh, just not, it wasn't good for the program in the end. But it is good for the program, right? Alums, everybody else involved. I understand, you know, why that exists. Now, I think you have to be capable. You got to go into these games and you can't walk into these games and, again, be losing by 40 and 50 and that be a very positive experience. I think there has to be moments that you can uh, you can grab from that game to say we're there, we're almost there. But if you're you're walking out and, and you take on, you know, sustain a bunch of injuries and you just don't play well or the other team is just so much better. Those are the dangerous parts. We're hoping to get this program to a point where we line up against those teams and give one or two a challenge, right? And I think that, but to be able to say it in recruiting, to be able to, uh, if we didn't play this final game, right, against um, South Dakota, you don't know what you would be just yet. You'd be like, ah, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what we are, right? But the fact that you go and play that team, it is a feel, right? Now you all of a sudden can say, like here's plays that we could single out to say we're close and here's other ones that we could use for motivation, right? And say we're nowhere near yet, right? And I think those are the benefits of it. It gives you a lot more confidence going into lead play. It gives you an ability to hopefully make a deeper run, you know, in the playoffs. I thought against Navy, I thought we played very, very tough. They just have, 
<laughs> 27 tailbacks or something and each one's better than the other and, and we ran, sort of ran out of gas at the end um and in Syracuse there were there were moments in there so I think those were two games that were very positive for us I'm excited to see you know UConn is who we open up with this next year there's positives coming down the line here and I think we just got to keep playing these games and we just have to um you know just stay healthy through them learn the lessons from them and let that either propel you right in the direction that you want to go and then take those mistakes you made and let that you know make your weaknesses you know into strength so there's a lot of good that comes out of them there is there is some danger obviously that comes with them I'm sure every every FCS coach talks about uh but there is the positives you know far exceed uh the dangers Coach, before we let you go, I know you mentioned you guys aren't going to be doing any camps or combines this summer, but is there any other information you you want recruits or potential recruits to know about heading into this summer and obviously into next season? Yeah, so we, we actually will have some camps. It just won't be on our campus, right? So it'll we'll start with a tour of our campus, then move to an off-field, uh, off, off-campus facility, and then, then call it a day. But already – June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, I think we already have three or four guys on each of those days already scheduled to come on, you know, one-on-one visits, which is, you know, really exciting because that dead period lifts and people could start, you know, checking out our facilities, being there, meeting, you know, our coaches, maybe getting a chance, you know, to see a weight room session or something like that. Those are all the things that uh, anybody could do. And I'm sure as guys go through their camp schedule and they find themselves in the Northeast, those are things that uh, we've had a a great ability to have a bunch of guys coming through. But I think there's nothing better than getting to spend some one-on-one time with your recruiting coach, eventually your position coach, and getting a chance to just see where you might be calling home for the next four years. I said at the top of this, but really the ability to have it all, you know, is what we really talk quite a bit about. And I think actually, you know, the virtual stuff was tough, but you still have a ton to present to families. And then I think about, you know, when they actually do get on campus and then meet the people along with seeing those things in person, it's a pretty impressive place. So um, we will have a couple of camps, but more importantly, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, getting a chance to get face to face once again with with some, you know, young prospects that, you know, we have not done for almost two years now, or a year and a half now. So, um, you know, the future is bright. And, and I think that, uh, again, hopefully this recruiting does get itself back to where it should be. And we're looking looking forward to continuing to put Holy Cross on the map. And the future is indeed bright. You have done a tremendous job getting Holy Cross turned around, Coach, and, and it speaks to your resume and the success you've had at previous stops. And uh, the formula has worked at those stops, and it's working again here. And uh, it is a pleasure to have you on tonight with us, Coach Chesney. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to uh, covering you guys again this summer with camp and obviously over the fall. Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Absolutely. You guys are great. I follow you quite a bit and I appreciate everything you do up here for the Northeast and Northeast football in particular. Kev, you were everywhere today, huh? Lax everywhere, the, the whole deal, huh? It never ends, man. It never ends. <laughs> He's a man of many talents, coach. I know it. I know it. You guys are hard. You, you work hard as well. So just keep doing what you do. All right. And if any time to stop by and, 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 you know, watch a practice or whatever it might be, or, you know, get one of our players on here, just know that we're always up for that and really do appreciate you guys. You know, again, continuing to spotlight and highlight Holy Cross and Holy Cross football. Absolutely, Coach. We will definitely take you up on that. Thank you for the time once again, Coach. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, guys. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the New England Football Show. Uh, For Kevin Stone, I'm John Serenitas. We are off next week for Memorial Day, but we will be back the following week on June 7th. Until then, peace. See ya.